Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You listen to Green. Green. You might turn red. red. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. We are back. This is The Roy Green Show. I'm Andrew Lawton, and you're tuned into the Chorus Radio Network. We just spoke on the other side of the break with Professor Mark Bray, who's the author of the book Antifa, the Anti-Fascist Handbook. And this book has a lot in it. And I was reading over the last couple of days since I got my copy, and I was, there were parts of it where I just wanted to pull my hair out. And there are other parts of it where... I didn't have any hair left out to pull, so I was quite disappointed because it's written from the perspective of someone who is an avowed anti-authoritarian, anarchist, anti-fascist, Occupy organizer, so diametrically opposed on the political spectrum to me. And I agree with what he's saying in the book about us having a moral imperative, everyone having a moral imperative to condemn fascism and condemn white supremacy. The problem comes out in the book and in the interview we just had where he says that fascism is hard to define. And when you cast such a wide net as Antifa does, and I know that Antifa is not a singular organization, but they organize and they mobilize under a common set of ideals and ideas. So yes, I'm going to call it an organization, even if it's more effectively characterized as a movement. But when Antifa is shutting down speakers trying to drown out political opponents with white noise, punching people that they dislike, dousing them in urine, doing all of these things, they are resorting to violence. And even if it's a small subset of anti-fascism, it's the most notable and the most reprehensible. And the reason I think it's so important is because if we're going to say that fascism is hard to define, there's a, a section of the book here. In the introduction, there's a page that talks about it as an amalgam of racism and colonialism and homophobia and sexism and classism, all of these things. And I said to Professor Bray, all of these isms. And the problem if you view fascism as being any one of those, that it becomes very, very easy to characterize everyone with whom you disagree as being one of those things. And if you accept the two premises, A, that fascism is a legitimate thing to fight, which I accept, and B, that violence is a tool to fight fascism. That, I think, is a little bit more precarious. And then you go one step further and you say that all of these people are fascists. You are all of a sudden rationalizing and justifying violence against people if you're able to deem that they're racist. So if you say someone is a racist, you've already laid the framework and laid the groundwork and pushed forward the premise that that is an acceptable grounds for violence for disrupting or for denying and rejecting someone's right to free speech. And I want to read a section of the book here in which Mark Bray writes, free speech is merely a bourgeois fantasy unworthy of consideration. So free speech itself, which has quotation marks around it, is not actually a legitimate tool. And I was reading about this, how these people that he interviews, he interviews Antifa organizers from around the world, they actually reject the idea that free speech is even a thing. 
So that's where the problem is going here, is that all of a sudden we have this group, this self-anointed group declaring itself judge, jury, and executioner of other people's liberties and of other people's freedoms. And this is why the column that I wrote on the subject last week has become even more prescient today in light of this book and the other apologists for Antifa, because what I said is that there is a, a moral equivalent to someone being a fascist and someone using fascist tactics to be a purported enemy of fascism, and that's what Antifa does. They try to deny other people's right to liberty. They try to deny other people's right to individual identity and expression. Therefore, Antifa tactics, despite the name anti-fascist, are fascist in and of themselves. I want to hear what you have to say on this topic. 1-800-263-2428. 1-800-263-2428 if you want to weigh in from anywhere across the Chorus Radio Network here. Because I look at the disruption of Jordan Peterson's speeches in Toronto and in Hamilton by people that organize under the banner of Antifa. I look at the disruption at Berkeley of speeches by Ann Coulter and Milo Yiannopoulos. And I fear that if we're saying that you can be preemptively self-defensive, because that's what he said here, that you can be enacting self-defense in advance of actually being attacked. I fear that that's the rationale that is going to get a bullet put in a world's leader, a world leader's head. Because, oh, they might become fascist in the future, or they might do something fascist in the future. And if you say fascism is not just a political system, fascism is not just authoritarianism, but fascism is racism, is white supremacy, is colonialism, is homophobia, is sexism. If you say all of these different things about fascism, then what you're actually opening up the channels to is an idea of being able to say that anyone you disagree with as a fascist. And there's a now famous line by Mark Stein that I think everyone needs to understand. And that is that when everyone is Hitler, no one's Hitler. He says the same thing about fascists. When everyone's a fascist, no one's a fascist. Because if we open up the floodgates here and say, okay, everyone in the world is a fascist. Everyone you disagree with is a fascist. We've now distilled the political discussion and the political process down to this false dichotomy of the fascist versus the anti-fascist. But in the banner of fascists is everyone that Antifa declares not worthy of debate, not worthy of discussion. And this is what the book says, and this is what the book relays Antifa advocates saying, that you cannot actually debate fascism. You can't debate fascism, you have to fight it. Now, fighting it is all well and good, but it actually rejects the very idea of there being a marketplace of ideas. The very notion that people can debate and discuss things freely. So Antifa, by its own admission, by its own design, says that it has the right to determine what others must be shut down because of these eternal standards. Okay, that's fine. That's fine if you want to say they're going to do that. But if you're ceding that power, that a mob can identify which speeches are worthy of being said, which speakers are worthy of having a platform, which ideas are worthy of being believed, then you are opening the floodgates for that same identity and that same ideology to shut you down in the future once the pendulum swings in the other direction. 1-800-263-2428 is my number. 1-800-263-2428. We'll go first to Alan Barry on this one. Hi, Al. You're on the Roy Green Show. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Yeah, uh, uh, this guy completely loses me. As far as I'm concerned, Antifa are the fascists. Andrew, all the violence I've seen uh, in Western civilization, 
uh, in the last year or so has been instigated by these guys. When I, for, for example, it, he considers, I don't know, uh, Mark Stein, um, what Conrad Black. I, I mean, I bet you, I don't know what if he hasn't said this, but I mean, I bet you if they're conservative, they're bad. Well, he, he did say in not so many words that Ann Coulter is a fascist. Now, you may not like what she stands for. You may not like her books. But at the same time, if, if he's prepared to say that violence is justifiable for fascists, Ann Coulter is a fascist, he's therefore probably prepared to put most conservatives under that same umbrella. Exactly. Like a Ben Shapiro would right, be right in their crosshairs. Despite being a Jew, by the way, which I think is the most interesting part, a guy whose people, whose uh, ancestors have literally faced the fascism that he's claiming we're seeing in Ann Coulter today. Exactly. And I want to make one more quick yeah. point about this Miles Annopolis fellow. I mean, they, they've said on one show that they're frightened of him and he was a bully and he was their word. He was going to beat people up. Has anybody ever seen this guy? He's a, he's a thin, little, outspoken homosexual man. He, he's very fiery, but I'm certainly not afraid of him. I'm afraid of the fascists. Well, look, I, I don't know if he could win a fight or lose a fight, but the fact of the matter is we've now conflated people's words with actual violence. So Milo Yiannopoulos says things people don't like, therefore he's a violent person. Ann Coulter says things people don't like, therefore she's a violent person. And that, I think, is the big problem here, that we've now made words just as powerful, if not more powerful, as actual action and oppression. Al, thanks very much for the call. one 800 is the number here. We'll go to Kevin in Brooklyn, Ontario next. Hi, Kevin. Hey, how's it going? Doing well, thanks. Well, one thing I want to say is fascism is quite easily easily defined. It's, well, the difference between fascism and communism, communism is state-run economy, and fascism is where, you know, private business runs the economy and government controls the private business through taxation and regulation. Uh, if, if, we, if we talk about the economic system, I agree that there is an ideological component as well, though. It, agree. And when you talk about uh, holding the Antifa or whatever these groups call themselves as uh, as liable, in my opinion, they're actually worse than the people that were originally out there to protest. They're out to protest. They were doing their thing. They're expressing their freedom of speech, which they have the right to. Whether you agree with that or not, it's the freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is there not to protect what you think is right or what you agree is what you don't agree that's what it's there for so these guys they actually had premeditative motive they drove hundreds of miles in some cases to go and attack people so they already had violence in their scope which makes them in my opinion way more worse than what the uh the protesters protesters which were there to begin with yeah, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree that, you know, the white supremacists have any sort of moral high ground. I agree they were exp expressing their right to free speech, and I don't deny them that or begrudge them that at all. But at the same time, I do think that it's not really easy or even worthwhile to find a moral positive in that. I mean, white supremacists who want to deny people a right to do anything based on their race. I don't think they're any more deserving or by the same token, any less deserving of scorn than Antifa that wants to deny people an ideology output or an outlook or a freedom for whatever reason. I think that's the problem here is that so many people think they have to choose one or the other when I'm choosing neither. But I appreciate the call, Kevin. When we come back on the other side of the break, I want to get more of your calls on this. 1-800-263-2428. 1-800-263-2428. This is Andrew Lawton in for Roy today on the Roy Green Show here on the Chorus Radio Network.